Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussion throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego. I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we are in a new place. We are in a new place, and we are really excited to be in this place. Wow, sitting right across the table from one another. I know, not via phone. So no, weird. I know. I have someone to look at. I know. I'm not just staring into the vast expanse of my office all by myself. Or fiddling with things on my desk, which is what I normally right. do. Exactly. So mm-hmm. much nicer. Well, we welcome you all to this Faith to Go podcast for this week of November 10th, uh, proper 27. As you can hear, it's just Charlotte and I. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're here to update you on some exciting changes that are coming to Faith to Go and to the Faith to Go podcast. We've been uh, talking about it a little bit for the last few weeks, um, but the Faith to Go podcast uh, started at St. Paul's Cathedral, where I worked from 2016 to 2019, uh, September of 16 to 19, and uh, it is in the middle right now of a transition to a diocesan offering of the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. Thus, we are right now sitting in the diocesan offices. Yes, we are at the Episcopal Church Center. That's right, in Mm -hmm. Ocean Beach, San Diego, California. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's exciting. So we are here at the diocese. Uh, All of the faith-to-go things are going to live here at the diocese, and we are slowly moving everything over uh, to be a faith-to-go diocesan offering of the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. So that's very exciting. So we will be here uh, recording in this same place every week at the Episcopal Church Center. Come and check us out sometime. You're welcome to watch us through a glass door. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) uh, moving forward, as you know, uh, Maya's last podcast was last week. Uh, And so Charlotte and I are going to be your podcast host team moving forward. But we are going to switch it up every week and invite a new third person to be a guest host every week and share a point uh, on the podcast. That's right. And next week we have with us a very exciting guest. We have Hannah Wilder, who will be joining us for next week's recording. And she is the Diocesan Communications Director. Um, And she is also a deacon. Mm -hmm. And her ordination to the priesthood is coming up here shortly, too. So we're really looking forward to hashing out the gospel Mm -hmm. with her. Yeah, she works at a really cool church uh, also in City Heights in San Diego, St. Mark City Heights. So she'll be able to tell us a little bit about what she does. And then uh, she's also an avid listener. Yes, every week. To go podcast. Mm -hmm. There you go. And I think it'll be really interesting as we move forward, as this becomes more of a diocesan-wide offering, to get to know more about the different parishes around the Diocese of San Diego. And ultimately, if you'd like to be a podcast guest and Mm -hmm. you are outside of the Diocese Mm -hmm. of San Diego, you could send us an email Mm -hmm. and we could have you call in and you could be right on the podcast with us. And then it could become an even broader offering from that. And we could learn about this diocese and beyond. Yes. Very excited to welcome any and all voices from the Diocese of San Diego and around the country. Speaking of emailing us, Mm -hmm. we have a new email address to go with this fun, exciting change. People should probably get their pencils out now. Yes. Please get out your pencils. Unless Uh, you're driving. 
Yeah, if you're driving, just pause and wait till you get home. Or just <laughs> listen to this when you get home. Yes, listen twice. Yeah. Um, so our new uh, email that we would love to hear from you uh, on is faith2go at edsd.org. That's right, faith2go at edsd.org, which EDSD stands for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. So go. pretty easy to remember. So F A I T H T O G O at edsd.org. We would love to hear from you with all of your questions, comments, stories from your week of faith discussion. We also want to hear from you on the website, which is not changing, www.myfaith2go.org. You can contact us through there. You can subscribe to the website and get all those faith to go resources every week right in your inbox. And you can also contact us through Instagram at faith2go, where we also post uh, Instagram story polls and some Lectio Divina sometimes and different things throughout the week. So uh, I think that is everything we need to tell you mm-hmm. about our time of transition. So we'll, we're excited to have Hannah on the podcast next week, and then who knows it, who it's going to be after that. I know. Anything is Not possible. us. Right. <laughs> the Holy Spirit blows where it will. That's you know? right. Um, so uh, we're going to jump into our discussion of the gospel for this Sunday. This Sunday is uh, the Sunday of... Uh, November 10th, proper 27. We only have three Sundays left mm-hmm. in lectionary year C, so that's very exciting. Um, so this Sunday, uh, the reading for proper 27 is Luke 20, 27 to 38. So Charlotte is going to read it, and then we are going to do uh, a little bit more in-depth context to frame this gospel reading, and therefore have one point from each of us, so two points for this week. Yes. Luke chapter 20, verses 27 to 38. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, the first married and died childless, then the second and the third married her, and so in the same way, All seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore, because they are like angels and are children of God being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. All right. So this has, this is, a, I think, a really cool reading, uh, kind of confusing and weird, uh, but in the best way. In like a fun church way. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, one thing to say is that, right, this is all happening in Jerusalem. So since we left Jesus last week, uh, he was on his way through to Jericho, uh, and he met Zacchaeus, right? So that was last Mm -hmm. week's discussion um, for Proper 26. Since then, he's had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's entered Jerusalem. He, like, went and did the thing of cleansing the temple. That Mm -hmm. all has happened. 
Uh, and now he's having this discussion with the Sadducees. So I think the two things to uh, to uh, share some context about are about what a Sadducee is and also about this thing in the end of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So those are kind of the two important uh, issues happening in the story. So uh, the first thing to say is that uh, the Sadducees are um, one of three uh, Jewish sects in the first century. So there were Pharisees, which we know very well because Jesus is constantly talking to Pharisees. Mm -hmm. There were Sadducees, and then there were Essenes. And if you've ever heard about the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found in Qumran, uh, which is near the Dead Sea, obviously, um, those were all those were those are believed to be uh, most likely uh, writings from this third sect, the Essenes, and so they were much more kind of like kind of more esoteric in their kind of they're mm-hmm. much smaller sect and uh, much much more kind of yeah esoteric in their thought and in their writing. So the two big groups were the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and the main difference. Uh, one of the main differences, uh, well, clearly there's one main theological difference that's being highlighted here, which is the difference between believing in the bodily resurrection, in the resurrection or not in the resurrection. And so uh, one, this is a text, of, one of the texts that people sometimes cite to, uh, to say that maybe Jesus, if Jesus was in one of these three sects, he was probably a Pharisee, which kind of in a lot of ways, kind of reframes how we think about all those interactions he's having. Because when he's talking to the Pharisees and being so critical of them, one reason that he's maybe constantly talking to Pharisees is because he was a Pharisee and grew up in that kind of school of thought. And in that way, he's not so much attacking some group, but trying to critique his own group in much the same way that he's trying to critique critique his own Jewish tradition all the time. So one of the main differences between the Sadducees and the Pharisees is that the Sadducees were more, much more temple-focused. So they were all about temple worship and attendance at the temple and sacrificing at the temple and all kind of the rituals that happened mm-hmm. at the temple, at this kind of centralized location of the Jewish faith. The Pharisees were much more about the ability to kind of live out the law of Moses in ordinary life. So kind of the year... You're like keeping to the Sabbath and doing all these kind of everyday practices of Judaism, not instead of the temple, but kind of um, as in as much putting as much emphasis on that as on temple sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And so the interesting thing is that when in in the first century the temple ultimately is destroyed, the Pharisees are the ones whose emphasis is being not on the temple. The Pharisees are kind of the sect that continues on much longer than the other two. And there isn't really a direct line between Pharisees and and kind of rabbis, like we think of traditionally now, but most likely those that group is the, the group that kind of kept on as Judaism became kind of a diaspora outside of Jerusalem. And once the temple was gone, people had to figure out, well, what does it mean to be Jewish and not have this central location? So that's when, like, synagogues and more local kind of gathering places uh, became important. And so this, this emphasis on daily, like, personal practices that you can do throughout your day at your own home was really the thing that lasted 
be after the temple was gone. And the other thing about about the these these differences in these two groups of people is that like ultimately when you when you frame them in these two ways, you can see how how the Pharisees this idea of like taking on ordinary practices and an ordinary life and practicing the ways of Judaism and the practices of Judaism and in the home and those are, those are all really cool things, cool ideas. Mm-hmm. And and that and that kind of reframes how we think of them constantly like getting upset with Jesus for doing things on the Sabbath and this thing and the other thing. Because Jesus's constant corrective is you've like taken the means to the end and made them the end in themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and so and so it's not so much that the Pharisees' emphasis was wrong, it's just that it kind of lost its framework. In the right. same way that we're saying like the Sadducees, it's not like theological conversation and debate even are wrong but when it's about these kind of semantic things they've lost their larger framework and jesus is trying to like reframe everything in a much bigger frame they get so caught up in the minutiae of it all that they forget to look for the big picture yeah and i think we do the same i think it's just like a constant that's like our for some reason there's something in us in our humanity that like really wants to like take the part and make it the whole Right. You know? Well, and sometimes maybe that's that the big picture is hard to look at. Yeah. And it's and you can't really wrap your brain around it, mm-hmm. you know? So that makes it harder, too. Mm-hmm. And so we make it small. We make it small enough for us to understand, but then we lose the mystery of it, and then we lose the real truth that is kind of trying to point to. Right. So. Well, and now I kind of feel like we should just wrap up here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was point number one. <laughs> was uh, that whole thing uh-huh. about the background. There we go. Yeah. Um, and technically, I have point number two today, I guess, is how we're going to phrase that. And that comes kind of about halfway through our reading today, which is where it says, Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. And I think that I, what I speaks to me in all of this is, as you read it, you see that this is used in the first half of it, and that is used in the second half of it. Well, when I read this, I don't interpret this age to mean our present moment, and that age to mean 10 years from now, 20 years from now. It's a difference between how we are living here on earth and what is to come. And I think a lot of what this brings up for me is that As children, when we don't understand things, parents try to put things in a more visual presentation to help us interpret and to live into them. And I think that that's where some of the description of heaven came from. Um, As you go through and you hear people talk about pearly gates and streets lined with gold, it's to imply not necessarily that there are pearly gates and streets lined with gold, but that it's a better place that we end up, that this next place that we go is free from suffering. And it, But it puts it in a framework of being able to understand something that's almost impossible to understand. And so in this age, meaning our earthly age that we live in right now, or particularly back then, being given in marriage is really important. Being married is really important in its earthly context, in the context of what that means for owning land, for being in relationship with each other, for the for your line continuing on, is incredibly important to these people. But in that age that they rec- that they reference in the second half of that means when we've moved on from this place, when we're living in the resurrection, marriage is no longer going to be important in the way that we understand it. It's not going to be about the continuation of a line. It's not going to be about whose fields get planted 
cloud. Um, it's not going to be about dowries. It's not going to be about any of those things that are important in this age. Instead, it's about our being in relationship with each other, our be- being in relationship with God, um, and trying to put into a framework that as humans, we can understand the almost impossible to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that it's it's interesting because when you read this with like the resurrection appearances of Jesus, it's clear that like <clears throat> it's clear that and no one ever recognizes Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, no one ever recognizes the risen Christ as Jesus. So it it seems like the mo- the resurrection that Jesus models, and it seems like the resurrection that Jesus is describing here is one where there is an end to something. Something does change, like death happens, mm-hmm. and then whatever happens after that is not just the same thing as happening now, but is some sort of different thing, right? But kind of more whole and complete in some way, maybe. Like there is something. There is definitely a change that goes on. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just like like they're saying. This person dies, now who are they married to when after they're resurrected? And Jesus is saying, it's not like like you're saying, it's not like that. Like, and I'm gonna show you mm-hmm. that I'm gonna like the resurrection is going to be something totally different and totally new and yet continuous at the same at the same time. Right. You know? and, and what so, we understand in our earthly existence isn't going to matter yeah. to us anymore, right? Yeah. That that it's it's a continuation on into mm-hmm. more fullness, mm-hmm. into more wholeness, but totally different right. than what we're experiencing right now. Right. Right. And so I think that kind of goes into mine uh, because I the thing that I the line that jumped out to me so much today was this very last verse. Um and it's from, it's after, so it's, it's when they said uh, the fact that it's interesting, like Jesus is doing some, we didn't say this in the context, but this, this whole thing about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is referring to the burning bush where Moses asks, who am I to say that you are when the, the voice is talking to Moses? And the voice says, you know, I am who I am. And this kind of play on the word, the name uh, for God in Hebrew. But at the same time, he says, well, who am I going to tell these people that, told me to to say this. And the voice says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And it's so interesting because, like, what Jesus is doing here is is scripture interpretation. You know, he's saying, oh, you know what that means is that that God is saying, God is the God of the living. And for God to say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob— is to mean that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still living in some way. Mm-hmm. Right? They're clearly dead. Yes, yes. they are dead. Uh-huh. But God is the God of the living, so they must also be alive. You know, and so so that just in itself is really interesting to me. And then, but the way that Jesus ends this whole thing, where he says, "Now God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. For to Him, all of them are alive. All of them are alive. So that like." I see Jesus trying to, again, like we said before, trying to like expand the framework within which we see God moving. That mm-hmm. not only is God moving in in our life when we are in this life we're experiencing now, but God is moving forever into eternity before and forever into eternity after. You know, and that not only is God moving in the things in life, but God is moving in death. That God is moving in. That God is the God of the living, and to and to God nothing is dead. 
And so when, to me, again, looking back at, the, at Jesus' resurrection, to me, the, like, the, great, the good news of the resurrection to me is that, that death is not the end of something, but the transformation into something new. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what Jesus is trying to teach here before he's done the death and resurrection thing himself, is saying, like, there is no... It's not about the semantics of who's this and who's that, who's married to who, but more about the fact that no matter what, no matter what we're looking at, even when we're looking at suffering and death, God sees that as alive. God mm-hmm. sees that as life. So that even now death is a pathway to life, not just the opposite of it, not the opposite of it at all. And I think that when we, like you were saying, bringing it back to like what is happening now, I think that Jesus is like saying, this is how God sees things. God does. God sees life in everything. And it's like, we are also invited to that kind of perception, to that kind of frame of seeing everything. That even when, and that doesn't mean that things that are painful aren't going to be painful, or right. that death doesn't require grieving, mm-hmm. or that, that we can like wash over things that hurt. But to say that, that when we have experienced our own kind of death and resurrection and transformation, we can look back on that thing and see that there was life in that death that we experienced. And in that way, all things, we can, we can look back and say, and say with Jesus and with God, all things are alive. Like we can see that all things are alive. So I think it's like, I think it's when we are moving through our lives, when we see the pain and challenge and suffering in our own life and in the world, there is not a promise that those things won't be painful, but that God is moving in those things, that there is nothing that is bereft of God's presence, that there is nothing that is not infused with life. Even death itself is infused with life. So, okay. So that's three points and two points at the same time. Yes. Yeah, it's good for us. <laughs> Point number one was our context. And mm-hmm. I don't even remember what the final thing we said was that was kind of like a point, but you should go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting. Uh, number two was Charla's point, And it was about uh, the, the kind of continuous but, ch- but changed and transformed life that we are... Uh, that will happen when we when we die. That will happen in this in this next life. That there is something continuous, but something that is totally changed and totally new and totally different. And then number two, number three was mine, and it was about this last line of how uh, God sees everything as alive. That even things that we see as death and as suffering, God sees life in those things. And that Jesus is inviting us through our own kind of deaths and resurrections and transformations to see with that eye of God, to see in that larger framework of life. So having heard that discussion, uh, Charlotte is going to read the gospel one more time and see if you hear anything different this time through. Luke chapter 20, verses 27 to 38. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. 
Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die any more, because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he spoke, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in for this week's uh, Faith to Go podcast for the week of November 10th, proper 27 in year C. We will be back next week with Hannah Wilder. Woohoo! So exciting. The Reverend Hannah Wilder. The cool Reverend. The cool Reverend Hannah mm-hmm. Wilder. Make sure you go check out all those Faith to Go resources at www.myfaithtogo.org. Send us your comments, questions, or stories from your week of faith discussion either through the website. Uh, you can email us, faith2go at edsd.org, or you can contact us through Instagram at faith2go. Make sure to follow us. Keep up with us on Instagram. Look at all those uh, faith2go polls and posts throughout the week. And make sure to rate and review this podcast to help other people find it. And share it with a friend. Share it with a, a friend. Mm-hmm. Use that share button. Until next week, we say goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye everybody. Goodbye, everybody.